and welcome to Ride the Omnibus. I'm your host, Ariel Baska, and today I am interviewing Iman Zawari, director of the new romantic comedy Americanish, about career-driven sisters and their newly immigrated cousin who must navigate the consistent and sometimes conflicting demands of romance, culture, work, and family. I'm delighted to talk to you about your film Americanish because it's so wonderful to have a proper style rom-com that focuses on a different American experience than the one that we're so often spoon-fed. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what led you to develop this film. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. It means a lot that you you, like you got it and you said that because that was my goal and my dream is that I love rom. I'm a rom-com fiend, right? All growing up, particularly Tom Hanks comedies in the 80s, all the rom-coms in the 80s and the 90s. They're my biggest jam. And I really was tired of not seeing um, anyone else but, you know, white people on screen for romantic comedies. And I thought it was incredibly important to bring on particularly Muslim women who have this entire aspect of like they're oppressed or they're hypersexualized or they don't have an identity or they're not independent, which, you know, of course, I know no one like that. <laughs> so I wanted to put myself and all of my friends and everyday I know on screen in different experiences, right? So not just showing one woman's experience, but showing actually four in this case, with including the mother, four women's different experiences with love, life, and career, and seeing how they all kind of fledge through um, in that in that aspect. So it was really important for me to show something that was, I know was a yearning that everybody wants to see something different and that, you know, I want to see. And it was always, it's interesting because we had this whole concern that people wouldn't watch the film because it was too Brown. And we had to kind of get over that and see like, Hey, listen, if you make something um, very specific to your experience and what you are, it will be relatable. And we were so pleasantly surprised at like how well the film did in the festival circuit and now you know, getting its theatrical, its VOD. So really excited about seeing how you know the mainstream world will will take it. Yeah. And they always say the specific is universal. And the more specific, the more you drill down into one individual experience, the more universal it will be. And I certainly think that's true. I wonder also, though, for the way that you crafted the narrative, because you have so many different ways that people look at Muslim values within the story. I I found that really fascinating, the way that you have the younger sister being more traditional and working through a, a different kind of way of looking at love and marriage than necessarily we associate with Western values. But I love that there was no judgment passed at any point in the film on what is the more acceptable way to view love and marriage, which I feel like a lot of films that portray this, you think of like The Big Sleep has a particular viewpoint on traditional values when it comes to marriage and it's big sick the big sick that's what i mean i'm sorry i'm sorry the big sleep is is lana turner humphrey bogart i apologize (laughs) yeah yeah 
Yes. I mean, there's a, we have a lot of Muslims have opinions on that movie because <laughs> it was just very white gazy, but it was who I love, Kumail Nanji's experience. So I can't take away from that, but it did not portray Muslim women in a positive light or the experience of positive light. It was like, mm-hmm. need less of that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Like in general, I love Kumail Nanjani and he does have one of my favorite arguments at the Oscars for Muslims eating ice cream, which I think is what you have <laughs> really delivered big time with this film and i love that so no shade on him but oh, no, i love i, I love Camille. i love yeah. but but i i love that you are so non-judgmental about how love and marriage play out in a pakistani family and i i wonder if you could talk a little bit about that decision to mm-hmm. make that delineation clear Yes, I really appreciate that you're saying that because I didn't even think about it like in the non-judgmental aspect. And I talk about this a lot. Um, you know, I teach uh, at the University of Florida where I'm at right now. And it's like we talk a lot about this judgment call. Like we we were raised in like such a society of judgment and instead of acceptance. And it was something really important to Isa and I to make sure that we portrayed the acceptance. Like you do you. Like Sam did her right. No, I mean, her, her, her mother, of course, gave problems for everybody and she just did it, you know, unapologetically. And so did Miriam. And that was really, really big. And then the sweetness and naivete of Amira is just like, okay, this is crazy what you're doing, but okay, we love it. We're on the ride. You know, you want to marry a Pakistani American doctor? Let's go. Um, We just know so this is based off of Isa's uh, one woman show, Dirty Packing Lingerie. And we took four of those characters and Isa actually interviewed women for the show. So these are really based off of real women. And these are all people I know, like I have someone in each one of these experiences. And so I would say making your first features ensemble was, is like the worst thing that you ever should do in life because it did take us such a long time to craft the script and the edit in the ensemble, but making sure it was balanced between the, between the women and their experience and making it um, true and right to what we wanted to say. And we wanted it not just to be one story. We wanted to show that the, the whole theme of this is Muslim women are not a monolith. Mm-hmm. Different aspects. We have different loves we have different cares and you have to see it that way because we have been just so portrayed as one way that it's, it's exhausting. And so I wanted to make sure like, you know, our first film, My Calling Card, was about the strength of Muslim women and that um, we have all different ideas and the ranges and all these types of things. So that was kind of the idea. Yeah. It's wonderful the way that it comes out and the way that it plays out with this variety of experience, but also there's a variety of how each of the women views what it means to be American as well. And so that's that's really quite lovely. And I wonder how have people been taking you have this character played by George Wendt, who's very, shall we say, Trump like. And there are a lot of overtones of of the kind of racism that are experienced in the Muslim American life daily. And I wonder how personal did that feel for you? as you were working on the film? Oh my gosh, incredibly personal. And 
So we started writing this screenplay when we first met in 2013 and we started writing the January, 2014. And we we're like two years in writing this and we we're like trying to figure it out. And then the Trump election came through and we were like, we can't tell a Muslim experience without, without this, because this is such a pivotal point in our lives. And you know, what's been so like wild is there's this, so we've had, we have so many different stories and experiences as we were doing the um, festival tour in 50 cities in America. And we had went to about 15 of them. And one of them, um, a friend of mine, she, uh, she had the film and she asked her neighbors to come over and she did a, uh, like a little screening there. And afterwards they had a little, this is so sweet. They had a little moment and talk where they did a post discussion with each other. And one of the neighbors who is a Trump supporter said, I had no idea that this ha was how Muslim Americans were treated or experienced under this Trump kind of ideology. And it like really opened her eye to it. And then all of them agreed together that they're going to work together and create peace in their community through understanding. Wow. I'm like, done. <laughs> I can't believe I really did that. Like, see you later. We're, we're good. You know, career so, highlight. Achieved. Exactly. It's like, you know, I, my whole goal is to create, you know, create film for social change. And even like rom-coms are that that's the other thing that's mm -hmm. really big and important. And I would have never expected that would come out from someone, but I, it really shows you people's worldviews. They only see what they know and they don't understand the experiences of others. And that's really the goal of this film. Yeah. I personally work in both documentary, but also horror, because mm -hmm. I find that you can change people's perceptions oh, yeah. when you scare them half to death. But <laughs> it's the same thing when they're laughing. Mm -hmm. Laughter and shrieking have this thing in common where you just you, you get to someone's emotional edge and they're and there they are. There they're really sitting and really breathing in front of you. Well, yeah, my, I mean, just as a comedic filmmaker, my favorite quote is the shortest distance between you and someone else is laughter. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like it's the way to um, connect with people. Um, and is, and you know what? I never, that's really awesome. I never thought about that through horror. <laughs> you are so scared. You want to connect with the people around you to be, feel safe. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's awesome. So, I mean, the shortest distance could be laughter or it could be a gasp. It just depends on the situation, I guess. For sure. Yeah. I love this film and I, I'm very anxious to hear what your plans are going forward with this film. Yeah, so we're having our theatrical premiere October 6th um, by Harkins and Lemley. Um, we're, right now we have a week run and then might add more. So it's uh, cities and it's specifically cities in Arizona and three cities in the, um, in California, and then also Los Angeles. And then we'll do a screening in New York. So we have this theatrical window um, before our video on demand release, which is November 14th, which Sony International, uh, Sony Home Entertainment has taken um, to do the digital. And that's gonna be worldwide. So at that point, everybody and their mother can see the movie and it's on a video demand and definitely want people to download, stream, tell the world about, you know, the fair, first American Muslim rom-com made by American Muslim woman and like, enjoy it and know what it is. It's a rom-com, you know, it's like with all its cliches and all its other things, it's got some layers, but you know, it's just an enjoyable rom-com. Yeah. I actually even wondered if 
you had considered having an impact campaign for this film too, because I, I feel like it, it can have such a measurable impact on the lives of the people who see it and experience it. And I just wondered if, if you had specific goals along that line. Yeah, we definitely, we wanted to do screenings in college campuses for sure um, to talk to, um, to talk to different groups about ways uh, people are portrayed and how, you know, we can co- kind of like speak towards that. We actually did a really cool screening at the University of Michigan earlier this year um, and had a great conversation with like, it was like 10 different uh, departments that had sponsored it, which was super, super cool. So wow. it like kind of like on that academic level and going to different areas and just having these discussions. What I really noticed on, cause originally we were thinking like, okay, only, um, you know, the Muslim or brown community is going to appreciate this film, but it's been the complete opposite. Particularly older Jewish communities love this movie, which is so great. You know, um, I'm, I live in Florida. And so like South Florida is like its biggest fan. And and it's it's really it's really awesome to see that um, people outside of what I thought it would be are the ones that really are impacted by the, by the film. And I think also if I had to think about it retrospectively, is my goal of this was to make this film like a nostalgic um, 80s, 90s rom-com. And I think that people in that time feel that. And we made this movie when the rom-com had come back yet. Like we had shot it before um, Crazy Rich Asians and everything else. So we were really trying to to pull that rom-com back. And now it's been like the rom-coms back come hardcore, particularly in the streaming area. So, which I'm super happy because um, for the for the VOD release and whatnot. So, so yeah, definitely the work, me and I are both are very like impact um, activism people. And so that's pretty much like our goal to constantly have these types of screenings throughout. But my, I, I never thought in my ever in my life that I would have a, like a limited theatrical release, like just not based off of only who I am, but what I make, like people don't usually particularly independent film comedy is not where they go towards. They always go through mm-hmm. like I call trauma porn and whatnot. Yep. So I'm just so excited that like we have a full schedule, you know, like that's crazy. It's insane. It's like, I feel like I can retire now. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I'm just, and I'm, I'm, you know, what I'm really ready for is like the haterade, which, you know, everybody always gets, particularly if you're going to make a story about women and Muslim and Brown or whatnot, you know, like, but, um, I, cause so far it's just been a tremendous amount of love, which I'm so grateful for. Oh, that's fantastic. I'm really happy to hear that. And I wonder too, looking at the representation gap, what you're doing in terms of making sure that people have representation they can look to on screen. I think that's such tremendous work to really showcase what it is that a brown woman can be. We've seen so much blowback from like the Black Little Mermaid to basically anything in pop culture that features brown and black stories. And so it's good that you're prepared for that. But I I also am actually very happy that you're looking forward to that because I would imagine you've got some good clapbacks prepared. Yeah. Oh, yes, let's go for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, like. I mean, that, that's another thing that's super cool is like before when I did this, it was just like me. There was no one else around. But now I feel like community is so important to me. And in general, it's like we have a tribe behind us that are all about this, like creating these black and brown stories, like 
being in the forefront and all that stuff. It's always so insane to me when people are like hating on like things like the little mermaid or whatever, like what, why is this what you want to do with your time people? Like you yeah. want to not have this little black girl be excited about seeing herself on screen. Is that, is that what you want in your life? You know? So um, yeah. I mean, it's just like always just pushing forward, charging forward and going through actually Stacy spikes, who was, he's the creator of uh, urban world and um, movie pass. He was so excited about American National screening at urban world. And we were telling him like, you know, being the first is always very difficult. It's, you know, people think like, oh, the, the title of the first, all that. It's not the first. It's like the second and third or fourth that are very successful, but it's the first that are kind of pulling through. And he's like, yes, you guys are breaking down that glass door and you have arrows on your back. And I'm like, but I don't want arrows on our back. <laughs> it's not what I want in my life, you know? So it's, um, you know, it's, a, it's an amazing time to be a part of. And, you know, I'm just happy that, you know, our, our film will live in celluloid life, you know? So, yeah, no, it's fantastic. And I'm so glad you've had the run that you've had of success and I wish you nothing but the best going forward. It, it seems like you're set up perfectly to have a really sweet run. So I appreciate that. That means a lot. Thank you. I hope in terms of your future projects as well, that you're finding a lot of success also with pursuing those as well in the same sphere. And I look no forward to yet, but we'll yeah. bring it there because I'm like, let's, let's go, people. Let's go. Let's hope. Let's yes, hope. Yes, for um, sure. I'm pulling <laughs> for you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much and take care. Have a lovely day. And I I wish you all the best. Thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate all your kind and support and amazing words. Well, thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye, guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. And thank you for taking a moment right now to reflect with me on the history of the land you are listening on now. Whether you are stuck in traffic or sitting in your office chair, take the time to look up whose traditional lands you are on now and what treaties govern those territories. I record this podcast on the site of lands stolen from the Manahoac people. I am grateful to work on this land, and I acknowledge that we need to protect and honor the history of the indigenous people from other tribal nations that have made innumerable contributions around the world. I share this in the hope that my listeners may join me in honoring our past, present, and future. Without this land, this earth, and each other, we are nothing. Before I go, please take 30 seconds now to leave us a five-star review by clicking on support the show in the show notes. We don't want your money. We want your words. A simple RTO rocks my socks expands our reach and helps us keep bringing you great content. And connect with us on Instagram and Twitter where we are at Omnibus Ride. You can also visit our website, omnibusride.com, where you can go to dive deeper into our content and learn more about the show. A special thank you to our amazing editor, William Das. We truly couldn't do what we do without him or Danielle. Be well, be safe, and keep in touch. Mm-hmm.